if the British Empire and its Commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will still say, this was a nice for man, but an appealing of justice toward those who still suffer within our country, whether they be white or whether they be white. I've been given a bad grade, but I've got an awful lot to live for. Welcome to another episode of Kids in History, episode two. I am your host, Daniel Linstead, and I'm here with my son, Bryce. Bryce, how are you doing today, this fine, fine day? Great. Doing great? Yeah. All right. You got a little sun, it looks like. Yes. You the I have beach? the worst sunburn of all time. How'd you get that? Pain. You got it from pain? Yes, that's all I feel. <laughs> uh, were you bo- boogie boarding at the beach? Yes. Awesome. That's why it's so great to live in Southern California. Um, so, what historical kid are we going to focus on today? We're learning about John Joseph Klim. John Joseph Klim. And what makes him such a... How did he impact history? He impacted history by becoming one of the youngest kids to ever enroll to the military and saved a lot of people. When and when when did he uh, enlist in the military? He enlisted at the age of 10. About when? What year or during what era? The Civil War. During the Civil War. Um so yeah, his name is John Joseph Clem, but uh, he changed his name later on in his life, huh? Yeah, to John Lincoln Clem. Then why did he change it to John Lincoln Clem? To honor the President Abraham Lincoln. Yes, and I believe he said that he changed his middle name to Lincoln because he said he will always be a Union man. And so... Pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Um, and for... Kids out there who are listening to this episode, um, we're going to be dealing with uh, an era um, during the Civil War that happened um, in the United States. Um, And during that, it was a division. It's when uh, America divided in two, and you had the Confederates, which was mainly the Southern states. um, And then you had the Union, which was the Northern states. The Union, they were fighting mainly to keep the United States together. Yes. And then the Confederates, they were fighting to separate it. Um, and why were they trying to separate? Because they wanted to keep slaves. They wanted to keep slavery, um, which is also a very intimate part of their economy, um, their way of their life. And they mainly... Because they had a bunch of farmland there. Yes. And what what was their main crops, do you know? Let me, mainly cotton. Cotton, tobacco, um, rice. A lot of people don't know that the, a lot of the plantations down south had rice fields. But 
the main reason why they want they didn't like being told how and what they could do. They didn't like someone telling them that, huh? Yeah, I probably wouldn't like that. I wouldn't either, but um, you got to remember. When it's something that involves human rights, you got to listen to the right thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of stubborn people. Um, all right. So so we're going to be dealing with the Civil War. Um, and that's where our kid comes to play. Um, so for this episode, we're going to be calling him Johnny. So Johnny, he also had a couple names after he became famous. Um, one of the name was Johnny Shiloh and the other name was drummer boy of Chickamauga. Um, and Chickamauga was a famous battle where basically it was at the Tennessee doorstep where the unions fought. The unions actually lost that battle. But then they went ahead and they won the Battle of Chattanooga and uh, were able to enter the southern states. Um, so how, Bryce, do you know how Johnny was able to enlist at such a young age? Yeah, he he basically just pestered the people into enlisting him, just following them around. Until yeah. finally they're like, okay, you can enlist. It's <laughs> pretty much what happened. Um, so... The Union was in desperate needs of uh, people to join the military, uh, because after a few years of the war, it wasn't going in the Union's favor. Um, and so President Abraham Lincoln put out a call for volunteers to join the Union Army, and they had to enlist for at least three years. And Johnny heard that calling, even though he was 10, and he wanted to enlist. And so, but first, his attempt to enlist uh, was turned down. He tried to enlist with the third um, unit of Ohio, and then he later was able, like you said, he pestered the second, the twenty second of Michigan unit, um, who basically ended up taking him on as kind of a mascot or a drummer boy. And back then, units were just is a group of people in a town, like a, you might have a town, um, you might have different segments of the town that form their own military units. It's not like it, it what is today where you have an official, like the Marines or the army or the air force. Um, back then it was the army and they had little units that they formed by themselves. A lot of the town leaders became the commanders and stuff like that. So Johnny was able to, to enlist. Well, he didn't officially. It was unofficially enlisted. Yeah. And because he was too young, he couldn't enlist. Um, but they took him on as a mascot and, and drummer boy. But since he wasn't officially enlisted into the military, he didn't get paid. Yeah. So the, the men of his unit had to, pit, had to pitch in with their salary to pay his monthly salary until he was old enough to he, get... Um, his regular to really enlist. Yeah, so they uh, they didn't have to do that, but they did it because uh, they liked Johnny so much. Um, they knew he was a good kid. Um, so we mentioned that he was a. They said he could be an unofficial drummer boy. Well, Bryce, do you know what a drummer boy was or is? Yeah, basically, a long time. Well, not that long ago, they didn't have any. Um, walkie-talkies and other ways to communicate from far away. So they had to, and because there were bad, the battles were so loud, like big explosions and gunshots, they couldn't hear the commanders very well, but they could hear the drumming. So they used different signals or different beats from the drums to 
figure out how to where to go or what to do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they signaled um, the soldiers during battle um, with their drum, the different commands that they did by drumming. So they signaled them to rally here, or they signaled them to retreat. The scariest one is, they call it the... Long roll? Yeah, the long roll. Um, and in that, it was when all the drum boys together took up a rhythm, a beat, and that was a call to charge, to... Uh, to attack. Um, so it could be scary when you're on the the other end being attacked, huh? You hear that? Yeah, you're just there and you're like, and then you hear, and you're like, oh no, here they come. <laughs> exactly. But drummer boys, the whole usage of drums are um, instruments in battles goes far back as 4,000 years ago. We're talking ancient China, Egypt, Mongolia, um, even uh, Genghis Khan. Um used uh, drums um, when he was going into battle. And then in Europe, the 12th century uh, crusades helped to reintroduce the drums to Europe um, and was used during the Napoleonic Wars um, of the 18th and 19th centuries. Um, do they still use drums in the military today, Rice? Um, not for battles, but for like memorial services and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it's more like a, a ceremonial yeah. um, type thing. Was there any other usage that the drum... So when they weren't in battle, what did the drummer boys do? If they weren't in battle or didn't have their drums, they were known as stretcher carriers, and they'd help carry wounded men off the battlefield. Yeah, and then also when they were in camp... They were put to hard work, huh? Yeah. They had to go collect firewood. They had to get water. They they had to do a lot of chores, latrine chores, and that they, they were put to work. They were basically the laborers of the camp a lot of times. So they should probably be paid more than the men. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how old are you? Ten. So you're ten years old. You're the same age that Johnny was when he enlisted. Yeah. So imagine now. You playing the drums, marching towards an army across the field that has their guns, cannons aimed at you. How would that make you feel? Scared. Yeah. Very, very, very scared. <laughs> I would be scared too. But yeah, back then, that's they were having boys do that. And Johnny Clam wasn't the youngest drumming boy um, in, in the Civil War. There was, um, I don't have his name, but he was nine years old. Wow. Um, and he served. And there was also another drummer boy who got the Medal of Honor um, for his actions, his valid actions in battle. So, yeah. So, it, you had to have a lot of courage, especially as a young boy. Yeah. To be. And then also, so you're scared and you're marching towards men who potentially are going to be trying to kill you. And you have all this risk and you have loud noises going, bangs and bombs and everything, uh, bullets zigging past your ear, or is it whizzing past your ear? Um, but you also have to remember how to play a certain beat, right? Yeah. I and probably it, forget in the yeah. heat of battle. And I'm sure that happened a lot of times, but most of the drummer boys, they were able to keep beat and they have to be listening to the commanding officer so they give the right signal at the yeah. right time. Um, so that's a lot of pressure that was put on these boys. And I'm sure there were grills as well. Yeah, probably. There's a lot of instances where grills disguise themselves to look like boys or men um, so they could 
do their duty, what they felt was their duty to their country. So going back to Johnny, what makes him so famous? What got him famous? Do you know? In one of the battles, his regiment or unit was surrounded by enemy soldiers. A colonel went up, saw him and said either... I think the best thing a might of a chap like you can do is drop that gun or called him a damned little Yankee devil. <laughs> Jeez. And John, Johnny's response was to shoot him. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, basically, this was the Battle of Chickamauga. Um, and the Union were actually overrun by the Confederates. Yeah. Um, and then the unit that Johnny was tied to, they started to retreat, but one of the Confederate soldiers saw Johnny, um, and this is from witness accounts. It's, you know, and a lot of it's, you know, hearsay, and no one even really knows if the colonel did say those words that you said. Yeah. Um, but Johnny did turn and uh, shoot the colonel, and the supposedly the colonel died. How did was Johnny able to hold them uh, a musket? Wouldn't a musket be too big for a ten year old? A musket is gigantic, but yeah. they saw that it was a sawed off musket, so it so it was a little bit. It was probably a lot shorter. Yeah, so, so I, he could fire. Yeah, they customize it so they could fit for him. So he was able. He he shot and uh, killed the colonel. Um, he successfully made his way back to the Union. Um, lines. Some say he was actually captured after he killed the colonel, and he escaped later, but. There's different accounts that I saw when I was doing my research. But for his actions, uh, Clem was promoted to sergeant. Um, and at this time, let me just say, of the battle, he was officially enlisted at that time um, because he reached the uh, the appropriate age. Um, and the, this battle took place on September 20th, 1863. And I believe at this time he was 12 going on 13. You could enlist at 12 and what? and still be able to... Yeah, well he enlist, enlist? well he fully enlisted as a drummer boy. Oh, so you don't have to be as old. Exactly. Um even though, you know, you he still he, uh, he had you, a gun. You're probably even more in danger. You don't you have a gun that's probably on your back cuz you're mm-hmm. holding the drum, so you're probably in more danger because you have to t- you have to take the gun off your back, fire, mm-hmm. And then reload instead of just being able to fire and yeah. reload. Yep. But most of the etiquette during the war was, you know, obviously not to aim for the drummer boys, just the same with the medics. But, you know, in that massive confusion, there's bullets, cannons, balls flying everywhere. And muskets Horse, weren't muskets. accurate. Yeah, muskets weren't accurate. So it was very easy to be shot uh, yeah. in the line of fire um, by accident. Um, but I'm sure... You know, the heat of battle, I'm sure there's some people that... Didn't care. Didn't care. Um, They killed the medics. They killed drummer boys. That is the brutality of war, as they say. Um, Sad. It is sad. Uh, But for his uh, actions, Clem was promoted to sergeant, the youngest soldier ever to become a non-commissioned officer in the U.S. Army and become known as the drummer boy of Chickamauga. So what happened after that? What, What do you think would happen after that? Um, he would probably go into another battle or get or get killed because his luck would probably run out. Well, yeah, as you know, if you're going battle after battle, um, but something that you find that happens when uh, we're at war, so the propaganda machine starts up. So people are trying to, you know, put a positive light on the war to keep 
people in favor of it. Yeah. Um, so all the newspapers, especially back then, the newspapers weren't very, uh, they didn't truthful. do their, yeah, they're not truthful. They didn't do their research. And so they saw a story that this little boy and they're like, oh, this is going to get people re-energized, put a positive spin on the war. Um, and so, yeah, so they start writing about Johnny Clem. Um, that's how I got the nickname, you know, the drummer boy of Chickamauga, but also his legend grew. So following the battle, um, they also said, um, in a battle before that, it was actually, I think it was almost a year and a half before that, April 7th, 1862. Um, they said that while he was at the, the battle of Shiloh, his drum got destroyed and he showed heroic during the battle. They gave him the nickname Johnny Shiloh, um, and then... It also served as an inspiration for the song Drummer Boy of Shiloh. But research shows that uh, he probably was never even near the Battle of Shiloh because um, the unit he was attached to, the 22nd of Michigan, was not mustered until the summer after the Battle of Shiloh, making it unlikely um, that he ever saw any type of battle action in that battle. But the newspapers, they wrote up stories and... His didn't legend care. grew. They didn't care, but his legend grew. Um, but either that wasn't true, the Battle of Shiloh, but what he's done in the Battle of Chickamauga was very heroic. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's heroic just him going in the battle as any of the other drummer boys that went in the battle, huh? Yeah, just going into the battle was heroic. Yep. So afterwards, he was captured by the Confederate uh, cavalry unit um, when he was guarding a train in Georgia. But later on, he was swapped during a prisoner exchange and was sent to serve as a mounted orderly for Major General George H. Thompson. So prisoner exchanges were very common, and they still are common. Yeah, the Confederates are like, here, you can have this young person for a bunch of our people. And then they're like... You don't know that. <laughs> what well, he was famous. No, yeah. they knew that. So they knew they could do a prisoner swap with him. I um, mean, a lot of times when you have high ranking commanders and stuff like that, they'll both sides will do a swap of prisoners um, to get their prisoners back. So he went on to fight in Perryville, um, Kensaw, and in the Battle of Lana, uh, where in that battle he was wounded twice. And then after he was wounded, he was discharged at the age of the ripe old age of 14 years old. <laughs> so Clem was discharged from the army in 1865 at age 14 years old. But that wasn't enough for him. Wow. Uh, he thought to rejoin the military um, in 1870. So that would put him at 19 years old. He was nominated to West Point by President Ulysses S. Grant. Then Clem failed the entrance exam several times before Grant appointed him as second lieutenant in the U.S. Army. So even though he failed the entrance exam by President, at the time, President Ulysses S. Grant, um, but due to his war experience and what he did in the Civil War, they gave him a pass and said, you know what? You did your time. We're going to admit you and we'll make you a second lieutenant. That seems pretty fair. It he does. did a lot of famous stuff and then the... But he still needs to be able to lead troops good, though. He does. Um, but the exams to get into West Point is very, very difficult. And I think President Ulysses S. Grant probably felt a little pity on him because Ulysses S. Grant had a hard time getting into West Point, too. Mm. He wasn't very good at academics as well. Um, so he probably, you know, he, he could, you know, I, I'm familiar with what you went through. Um, and due to your service, I'm going to 
pass um, and let you um, get into West Point. Um, he was then promoted to captain in May 1882. Wow, captain's a high rank. Yep. Um, and then during the Spanish-American War in 1898, Johnny Clem served as chief quartermaster of the Department of Puerto Rico, where he remained until 1901. And then um, Johnny Clem was uh, chief quartermaster of the Philippines Department in, from 1903 to 1905. And then on August 29th, 1903, Johnny Clem promoted to a full rank of colonel. Upon returning from the Philippines, Johnny Clem organized a relief column during the 1906 San Francisco earthquake. Do you know anything about that, the 1906 San Francisco earthquake? I know that it caused a big fire that destroyed a lot of San Francisco. Yeah, so... So he probably felt bad and tried to help people by either probably delivering food or trying to help stop the fire. Yeah, so... A lot of people don't realize that the earthquake wasn't the main thing that killed people uh, during yeah. that, that it was the fire that the earthquake created. So it was the earthquake essential that caught, you know, caused the fires that killed people, but it was the yeah. fires was the main contributor. And then after the fire, it was people didn't have food, people didn't have water. They're uh, starting to starve. Yeah. And they had to basically rebuild the entire city of San Francisco. Um, but that was, I thought that was, when I was, in your research, did you see, did you read anything about um, what he did um, in the 1906 San Francisco earthquake? I don't think I did. Yeah, it, I didn't find much, but I thought it was interesting that, you know, he's obviously involved in a lot of the major incidents like the Spanish-American War, the occupation in the Philippines, and then um, the earthquake in uh, 1906. He must be the luckiest man on earth to survive all of those well, he wasn't there during the earthquake. He went there afterwards to try and support. Yeah, but still, he was in like three wars. Yeah. Well, I guess the Philippines, you could call that a war. We were occupying them, trying to become a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Colonial uh, nation? Yes. Thank you, Bryce. Colonizing them, which was very wrong. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's, what, that's what we learned from our history. You know, right and wrong. You got to learn from it. Yeah. Um, from 1911 to 1915. So, uh oh, what's going on then in 1915? It's when it's the year or at the second year of World War One. Yes. So World War One started in 1914, um, but America, we didn't enter World War One until 1918. 19 yes, 1918. Building up our troops, getting them ready, and then we went yep. into help in the war. Yeah, but by this time. Our young Johnny Clem, who served in Civil War at the age of 10, he's now 64 years old. Wow. Um, so he didn't participate in World War I, but I'm pretty sure he probably wanted to, huh? Yeah. But at the time when he retired, he was the last Civil War veteran to be actively serving in the U.S. Army. Wow. He done, he's done a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I think uh, Ulysses says Grant. Um, saw potential in him because even though he wasn't able to, you know, pass their exam, I think he said, you know what, this guy's a soldier through and through. Um, he has a great character and resilience, and he he supported that by having a lifetime serving in the military for the United States. Wow! And so, at the age of eighty-five years old, uh, nineteen thirty-seven, Johnny Clem died and and he is buried at the Arlington National Cemetery. 
Uh, do you know what the Arlington Cemetery is? I don't know exactly what it is, but it's probably a place to honor um, very important war veterans. Yes, most famous, at least in America, military cemetery. Um, it's in Washington, D.C., Maryland. And uh, yeah, that's if, if you're a veteran, you could be laid to rest there. On a side note, um, Robert E. Lee, the commanding general for the Confederate sides, that was his plantation, the location of the Arlington Cemetery. And so they, the Union Army, they took his plantation and they turned it into uh, the Arlington Cemetery. That's either very honorable or very disrespectful. Well, I think they were going for the dis- the Union Army was going for the disrespectful route because yeah. I, if I remember, and uh, I apologize if I'm wrong, um, I might be spreading a legend or a hearsay like the newspapers back then. Um, but Robert E. Lee's uh, wife had a very famous rose garden, and she was very particular about it. And so what they did was they tore up the rose garden to bury Union soldiers there. Wow. So <laughs> um, so if you're out there, uh, someone could do a little research on that. Uh, let me know if I'm right or wrong. Um, but that's that's the story of Johnny Lincoln Clem. It's uh, very big. You know what? And he changed his name, I think, when he was like 15. Uh, and he said he's a Union man forever. And he proved that. Yeah. He served in his military his whole he life. He definitely proved that. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you want to add or anything? No. All right. Well, that's all we have. Um, it was a great episode. Um, and like I mentioned in our first episode, not all of our, all of our episode, episodes are going to deal with kids that are in the military. Obviously, you don't have to be in the military to achieve something amazing, um, to impact the world around you there's many things um and then just to give you a teaser the young lady that we're going to be talking about our next episode has to do with civil rights here in america um so we're going to be delving into that it's going to be a a fun uh very uh interesting episode i hope yeah. you're going to enjoy it and once again i just want to let you know we are not historians here um we are doing our research um and uh if you uh, go to our details, uh, the details page on um, when you select the podcast, all the references from uh, the research that we did is listed there. Um, and again, I apologize if we got anything wrong. And once again, everyone, always keep on learning and knowledge equals freedom. And thank you for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day. See you next time Bye. on Kids in History. Child's dark and bloody ground, the dead and wounded lay. Amongst them was a drummer boy.